Chapter 4. Launch. With Ender, we have to strike a delicate balance. Isolate him enough that he remains creative, otherwise he'll adopt the system here and we'll lose him. At the same time, we need to make sure he keeps a strong ability to lead. If he earns rank, he'll lead. It isn't that simple. Mazer Rackham can handle his little fleet and win. By the time this war happens, there'll be too much, even for a genius. Too many little boats. He has to work smoothly with his subordinates. Oh good, he has to be a genius and nice too. Not nice. Nice will let the buggers have us all. So you're going to isolate him? I'll have him completely separated from the rest of the boys by the time we get to the school. I've no doubt of it. I'll be waiting for you to get here. I watched the vids of what he did to the Stilton boy. This is not a sweet little kid you're bringing up here. That's where you're mistaken. He's even sweeter than he looks. But don't worry, we'll purge that in a hurry. Sometimes I think you enjoy breaking these little geniuses. There is an art to it, and I'm very, very good at it. But enjoy? Well, maybe. When they put back the pieces afterwards and it makes them better. You're a monster. Thanks. Does that mean I get a raise? Just a medal. The budget isn't inexhaustible. They say that weightlessness can cause disorientation, especially in children whose sense of direction isn't yet secure. But Ender was disoriented before he left Earth's gravity, before the shuttle launch even began. There were nineteen other boys in his launch. They filed out of the bus and into the elevator. They talked and joked and bragged and laughed. Ender kept his silence. He noticed how Graf and the other officers were watching them, analyzing. Everything we do means something, Ender realized. Them laughing, me not laughing. He toyed with the idea of trying to be like the other boys, but he couldn't think of any jokes, and none of theirs seemed funny. Wherever their laughter came from, Ender couldn't find such a place in himself. He was afraid, and fear made him serious. They had dressed him in a uniform, all in a single piece. It felt funny not to have a belt cinched around his waist. He felt baggy and naked dressed like that. There were TV cameras going, perched like animals on the shoulders of crouching, prowling men. The men moved slowly, cat-like, so the camera motion would be smooth. Ender caught himself moving smoothly, too. He imagined himself being on TV in an interview, the announcer asking him, How do you feel, Mr. Wigan? Actually, quite well, except hungry. Hungry? Oh yes, they don't let you eat for 20 hours before the launch. How interesting, I never knew that. All of us are quite hungry, actually. And all the while, during the interview, Ender and the TV guy would slink along smoothly in front of the cameraman, taking long, lithe strides. The TV guy was letting him be the spokesman for all the boys, though Ender was barely competent to speak for himself. For the first time, Ender felt like laughing. He smiled. The other boys near him were laughing at the moment, too, for another reason. They think I'm smiling at their joke, thought Ender, but I'm smiling at something much funnier. Go up the ladder one at a time, said an officer. When you come to an aisle with empty seats, take one. There aren't any window seats. It was a joke. The other boys laughed. Ender was near the last, but not the very last. The TV cameras did not give up, though. Will Valentine see me disappear into the shuttle? He thought of waving at her, of running to the cameraman and saying, Can I tell Valentine goodbye? He didn't know that it would be censored out of the tape if he did. 
for the boys soaring out to battle school were all supposed to be heroes. They weren't supposed to miss anybody. Ender didn't know about the censorship, but he did know that running to the cameras would be wrong. He walked the short bridge to the door in the shuttle. He noticed that the wall to his right was carpeted like a floor. That was where the disorientation began. The moment he thought of the wall as a floor, he began to feel like he was walking on a wall. He got to the ladder and noticed that the vertical surface behind it was also carpeted. I'm climbing up the floor, hand over hand, step by step. And then, for fun, he pretended that he was climbing down the wall. He did it almost instantly in his mind, convinced himself against the best evidence of gravity until he reached an empty seat. He found himself gripping the seat tightly, even though gravity pulled him firmly against it. The other boys were bouncing on their seats a little, poking and pushing, shouting. Ender carefully found the straps, figured out how they fit together to hold him at crotch, waist, and shoulders. He imagined the ship dangling upside down on the under-surface of the earth, the giant fingers of gravity holding them firmly in place. But we'll slip away, he thought. We're gonna fall off this planet. He did not know its significance at the time. Later, though, he would remember that it was even before he left Earth that he first thought of it as a planet, like any other, not particularly his own. Oh, already figured it out, said Graf. He was standing on the ladder. Are you coming with us? Ender asked. I don't usually come down for recruiting, Graf said. I'm kind of in charge there, administrator of the school, like a principal. They told me I had to come back or I'd lose my job. He smiled. Ender smiled back. He felt comfortable with Graf. Graf was good, and he was principal of the battle school. Ender relaxed a little. He would have a friend there. Adults helped the other boys belt themselves in place, those who hadn't done as Ender did. Then they waited for an hour while a TV at the front of the shuttle introduced them to shuttle flight, the history of space flight, and their possible future with the great starships of the IF. Very boring stuff. Ender had seen such films before, except that he had not been belted into a seat inside the shuttle, hanging upside down from the belly of the Earth. The launch wasn't bad, a little scary, some jolting, a few moments of panic that this might be the first failed launch since the early days of the shuttle. The movies hadn't made it plain how much violence you could experience lying on your back in a soft chair. Then it was over, and he really was hanging by the straps, no gravity anywhere. But because he had already reoriented himself, he was not surprised when Graf came up the ladder backwards, as if he were climbing down the front of the shuttle. Nor did it bother him when Graf hooked his feet under a rung and pushed off with his hands, so that suddenly he swung upright, as if this were an ordinary airplane. The reorientations were too much for some. One boy gagged. Ender understood then why they had been forbidden to eat anything for twenty hours before the launch. Vomiting in null gravity wouldn't be fun. But for Ender, Graf's gravity game was fun, and he carried it further, imagining that Graf was actually hanging upside down from the center aisle, and then picturing him sticking straight out from a side wall. Gravity can go any which way, however I want it to go. I can make Graf stand on his head and he doesn't even know it. What do you think is so funny, Wigan? Graf's voice was sharp and angry. What did I do wrong? thought Ender. Did I laugh out loud? I asked you a question, soldier, barked Graf. Oh, yes. This is the beginning of the training routine. 
Ender had seen some military shows on TV, and they always showed it a lot at the beginning of training, before the soldiers and the officer became good friends. Yes, sir, Ender said. Well, answer it then. Uh, I thought of you hanging upside down by your feet. I thought it was funny. It sounded stupid now, with Graf looking at him coldly. To you, I suppose it is funny. Is it funny to anybody else in here? Murmurs of no. Well, why isn't it? Graf looked at them all with contempt. Scumbrains, that's what we've got in this launch. Pinheaded little morons. Only one of you had the brains to realize that in null gravity, directions are whatever you conceive them to be. Do you understand that, Shafts? The boy nodded. No, you didn't. Of course you didn't. Not only stupid, but a liar, too. There's only one boy on this launch with any brains at all, and that's Ender Wigan. Take a good look at him, little boys. He's going to be a commander when you're still in diapers up here, because he knows how to think in null gravity, and you just want to throw up. This wasn't the way the show was supposed to go. Graf was supposed to pick on him, not set him up as the best. They were supposed to be against each other at first, so they could become friends later. Most of you are going to ice out. Get used to that, little boys. Most of you are going to end up in combat school, because you don't have the brains to handle deep space piloting. Most of you aren't worth the price of bringing you up here to battle school, because you don't have what it takes. Some of you might make it. Some of you might be worth something to humanity. But don't bet on it. I'm betting on only one. Suddenly, Graf did a backflip and caught the ladder with his hands, then swung his feet away from the ladder, doing a handstand if the floor was down, dangling by his hands if the floor was up. Hand over hand, he swung himself back along the aisle to his seat. Looks like you've got it made here, whispered the boy next to him. Ender shook his head. Oh, you won't even talk to me, the boy said. I didn't ask him to say that stuff, Ender whispered. He felt a sharp pain on the top of his head. Then again, some giggles from behind. The boy in the next seat back must have unfastened his straps. Again, a blow to the head. Go away, Ender thought. I didn't do anything to you. Again, a blow to the head. Laughter from the boys. Didn't Graf see this? Wasn't he going to stop it? Another blow. Harder. It really hurt. Where was Graf? Then it became clear. Graf had deliberately caused it. It was worse than the abuse in the shows. When the sergeant picked on you, the others liked you better. But when the officer prefers you, the others hate you. Hey, Fartita, do you like this? Came the whisper from behind him. He was hit on the head again. Hey, super brain, is this fun? Another blow, this one so hard that Ender cried out softly with the pain. If Graf was setting him up, there'd be no help unless he helped himself. He waited until he thought another blow was about to come. Now, he thought. And yes, the blow was there. It hurt, but Ender was already trying to sense the coming of the next blow. Now. And yes, right on time. I've got you, Ender thought. Just as the next blow was coming, Ender reached up with both hands, snatched the boy by the wrist, and then pulled down on the arm, hard. In gravity, the boy would have been jammed against Ender's seat back, hurting his chest. In null gravity, however, he flipped over the seat completely, up towards the ceiling. Ender wasn't expecting it. He hadn't realized how null gravity magnified the effects of even a child's movements. The boy sailed through the air, bouncing against the ceiling, 
then down against another boy in his seat, then out into the aisle, his arms flailing until he screamed as his body slammed into the bulkhead at the front of the compartment, his left arm twisted under him. It took only seconds. Graf was already there, snatching the boy out of the air. Deftly, he propelled him down the aisle towards the other man. Left arm, broken, I think, he said. In moments, the boy had been given a drug and lay quietly in the air as the officer ballooned a splint around his arm. Ender felt sick. He had only meant to catch the boy's arm. No. No, he had meant to hurt him, and he had pulled with all his strength. He hadn't meant it to be so public, but the boy was feeling exactly the pain Ender had meant him to feel. Null gravity had betrayed him, that was all. I am Peter. I'm just like him. And Ender hated himself. Graf stayed at the front of the cabin. What are you, slow learners? In your feeble little minds, haven't you picked up one little fact? You were brought here to be soldiers. In your old schools, in your old families, maybe you were the big shot. Maybe you were tough. Maybe you were smart. But we chose the best of the best, and that's the only kind of kid you're going to meet now. And when I tell you Ender Wigan is the best in this launch, take the hint, my little dorklings. Don't mess with him. Little boys have died in battle school before. Do I make myself clear? There was silence the rest of the launch. The boy sitting next to Ender was scrupulously careful not to touch him. I'm not a killer, Ender said to himself over and over. I'm not, Peter. No matter what Graf says, I'm not. I was defending myself. I bore it a long time. I was patient. I'm not what he said. A voice over the speaker told them they were approaching the school. It took twenty minutes to decelerate and dock. Ender lagged behind the others. They were not unwilling to let him be the last to leave the shuttle, climbing upward in the direction that had been down when they embarked. Graf was waiting at the end of the narrow tube that led from the shuttle into the heart of the battle school. Was it a good flight, Ender? Graf asked cheerfully. I thought you were my friend. Despite himself, Ender's voice trembled. Graf looked puzzled. Whatever gave you that idea, Ender? Because you... Because you spoke nicely to me and honestly? You didn't lie. I won't lie now either, said Graf. My job isn't to be friends. My job is to produce the best soldiers in the world, in the whole history of the world. We need a Napoleon, an Alexander, except that Napoleon lost in the end, and Alexander flamed out and died young. We need a Julius Caesar, except that he made himself dictator and died for it. My job is to produce such a creature, and all the men and women he'll need to help him. Nowhere in that does it say I have to make friends with children. You made them hate me. So? What will you do about it? Crawl into a corner? Start kissing their little backside so they'll love you again? There's only one thing that'll make them stop hating you, and that's being so good at what you do that they can't ignore you. I told them you were the best. Now you damn well better be. What if I can't? Then that's too bad. Look, Ender, I'm sorry if you're lonely and afraid, but the buggers are out there. Ten billion, a hundred billion, a million billion of them for all we know. With as many ships for all we know. With weapons we can't understand. And a willingness to use those weapons to wipe us out. It isn't the world at stake, Ender. Just us. Just humankind. As far as the rest of the biosphere is concerned, we could be wiped out and it would adjust. It would get on with the next step in evolution. 
But humanity doesn't want to die. As a species, we've evolved to survive. And the way we do it is by straining and straining and at last every few generations giving birth to genius. The one who invents the wheel and light and flight. The one who builds a city, a nation, an empire. Do you understand any of this? Ender thought he did, but he wasn't sure, so he said nothing. No, of course not. So I'll put it bluntly. Human beings are free except when humanity needs them. Maybe humanity needs you to do something. Maybe humanity needs me to find out what you're good for. We might both do despicable things, Ender. But if humankind survives, then we were good tools. Is that all? Just tools? Ender said. Individual human beings are all tools that the others use to help us all survive. That's a lie. No, it's just a half-truth. You can worry about the other half after we win this war. It'll be over before I grow up, Ender said. I hope you're wrong, said Graf. By the way, you aren't helping yourself at all talking to me. The other boys are no doubt telling each other that old Ender Wiggin is back there licking up to Graf. If word gets around that you're a teacher's boy, you're iced for sure. In other words, go away and leave me alone. Goodbye, Ender said. He pulled himself hand over hand along the tube where the other boys had gone. Graf watched him go. One of the teachers near him said, Is that the one? God knows, said Graf. If Ender isn't him, then he'd better show up soon. Maybe it's nobody, said the teacher. Maybe. But if that's the case, Anderson, then in my opinion, God is a bugger. You can quote me on that. I will. They stood in silence a while longer. Anderson? Mm-hmm. The kid's wrong. I am his friend. I know. He's clean. Right to the heart, he's good. I've read the reports. Anderson, think of what we're going to do to him. Anderson was defiant. We're going to make him the best military commander in history. And then put the fate of the world on his shoulders, said Graf. For his sake, I hope it isn't him. Cheer up. The buggers may kill us all before he graduates. Graf smiled. You're right. I feel better already.